to Should I Just Quit My Job? My name is Maricela Herrera, and I'm your host. Thank you for being here. Today, we're going to be talking about joy and purpose, because my guest today, Patrice Tanaka, is really dedicating her life through her consultancy, which is called Joyful Planet. She's dedicating her life to help people find and articulate their life purpose and and put that into words. She also helps companies do the same with their business purpose. And her purpose, because it has to start with her, is all about joy. And Patrice's story is super interesting because before going off and starting her consultancy, even before determining her own life purpose, she was a badass PR person. So she was a really well-recognized person in the marketing, advertising, and public relations space. She founded three different PR agencies, all award-winning. And I've known Patrice for a really long time now because we are both really passionate about helping women and girls. She has been on the board of the Girl Scouts of Greater New York for years, and I, I used to be part of their advisory board. So our paths crossed because of that work. So as I've been through my journey, Patrice is someone I've had really kind of top of mind. And I've been thinking a lot about what I want to do. And so one day I was like, you know what? I want to talk to Patrice. I think she would be an incredible person for me to talk about. She's also been extremely supportive of my podcast. And so I, I, I reached out and we had this this wonderful conversation that I can't wait for you all to hear. She was just so genuine, so kind, so, I don't know. I just want to give her a big hug. On this episode, we talk a lot about joy, a lot about life purpose, a lot about um building companies and building places where your employees feel connected, feel engaged, because they are in that space living their own life purpose. It's an interesting conversation. It's also extremely interesting conversation on how Patrice came to do what she's doing now and her journey in the PR world, particularly how she built her agency with some of her colleagues through a buyback at the company that they were working at before, which I think is fascinating. Not surprising, this conversation really did make me think a lot about my own purpose in life and how I'm approaching the search for that. I'll be sharing more about that in a mini-sode. I I have lots of thoughts about joy and purpose after talking to Patrice and after actually doing some of the exercises that she suggested. There's a questionnaire that she has and uses for people to find their purpose and build their purpose, their life purpose statement, which she's helping me with and can't wait to give you more updates on that once I have more clarity. But in the meantime, here's my conversation with Patrice. I hope you find it useful. And if you do find this podcast helpful, inspiring, a companion as you're navigating your own journey, I'd love it if you could 
please rate, give me a review, subscribe, share it with a friend, send them the, your favorite episode. I would love to spread the word as much as I can and get more listeners. It's a labor of love and I hope it's helping people out. So the more people I can reach, the happier it'll make me. Hope you enjoy this episode and see you next week. And we're going to be talking about joy. So what are things that bring you joy? What brings me joy? Well, a lot of things. It's not just big things. It's small things and big things. And actually, I count all the joyful episodes every single day to remind myself of how much joy I actually do have in my life every single day. And I usually get up to 20, 25, 30 Ooh, wow. very quickly. And it's everything from... Oh, I had a great conversation with the concierge in my building. Um, or I want a new piece of business. Or it was just a beautiful day. Oh, my God. Clear blue skies with big, fat, fluffy, cumulus clouds. It could be anything. But I think that if we really, truly are mindful of all the joy, we can always uh, get to that state, right? Even if we're kind of in the dumps. I um, said I don't ask people the big question anymore. And then I realized I asked you, like the big question being introduce yourself. And I realized I asked you an even bigger question that's probably harder for people to answer, which is what brings you joy. Ah. And the only reason I did that is because I think you're one of the few people I can ask that <laughs> and know that you put so much thought into that response for so many years. Well, that is my life purpose, uh, right. to choose joy, to be mindful of joy, and to share joy with others. So I live my life purpose every single day, rinse and repeat, choose joy, be mindful of it, and share it with others. So the things that I do, you know, I have to actively live this purpose in order to, to create joy in my life. Because you know, it always makes me laugh when people, you know, want joy, but then they choose unjoy. Of course, what do you think you're going to produce for yourself, right? So we always have to choose that which we want in our lives, whether it's joy or something else. But our choices really do matter, right? What brought you to to finding this as your purpose? Yeah, well, I was forced by an executive coach when I went to her in 2002, early 2002, I was so depressed, I couldn't get out of bed. And I was a CEO of a small PR agency. And I can't remember how many people we had at that time, probably 25, 30 people. So I went to see an executive coach and she says, yes, I can help you. But first, I need you to do one thing for me. I said, yeah, sure, anything. She says, I need you to rethink your life purpose. And when she said that, I was really annoyed because I was expecting her just to kind of fix me, right? Do, do <laughs> to me uh, to help me get out of this state of depression. And she said, no, that's not the way it works. She said, I need you to rethink your life purpose. Now, I didn't even have a, a life purpose to rethink, but, you know, since I couldn't mm. get out of this exercise, I went 
uh, back home and kind of thought about what my life purpose was. And I brainstormed with myself because she didn't give me a tool to help me, you know, rethink my life purpose. So because my background is in marketing and communications, we're always trying to determine the essence of a brand, whether it's a consumer mm -hmm. or corporate brand. So I know how to do that. And I realized that, okay, what is it that I want in my life? And if I had to uh, capture it in one word, I said, joy. And where am I now? Unjoy. So how do I get from unjoy to joy? So I just broke out the steps. Well, first you have to choose joy, I, I would think. Then you have to be mindful of it because we do have joy in our lives, sometimes a lot of joy, but if we're not mindful of it, it's like we didn't have any joy, right? right? And then you can't just hoard joy. You have to share joy because the more you share your joy, the more you, more it um, multiplies, right? Whatever you put out there, you get back, you know, a many fold. And so that to me seemed like a reasonable winning formula for getting to joy. And so that's what I've been doing for like 22 years now. I've been living that life purpose. And because I help people every single day to discover and articulate their life purpose, and sometimes their life purposes are so inspiring that it makes me think, maybe I should revisit my own life purpose. And then I realize, wait, I'm a different person than that person is. So I have not changed my life purpose in 22 years, but I have helped other people who have decided that the life purpose that you know we came up with together two years ago doesn't quite fit where they are today. So I'll help them kind of make their life purpose more suited to who they are today. And I think that's, I love it when people do that because it's like they're evolving, they're growing, and they're becoming braver because that's the other thing. Mm. I like to write a life purpose statement that equips somebody to become stronger every single day to accomplish what they say matters most, right? A life purpose statement is not, I want to inspire people to do this. A life purpose statement for me is actually a, a working uh purpose statement of something that you do every single day to unleash your potential, make you stronger and more well equipped to accomplish what matters most to you in the world. When you think of purpose, is it always like, I want to make this world a better place? Is it always something altruistic or is it something that can be anything? Yeah, good question. I always say a life purpose is about how we will leverage our talent, our expertise, and our passion in service of other people and our planet. So that in-service mm -hmm. piece is a critical part of a life purpose statement because a life purpose statement is different from your goals and dreams because you could your goal okay. could be to be an astronaut, right? which is great. We should all have goals and dreams, but a life purpose statement, you know, communicates how what you are doing is of service to others. Because I believe, you know, my, the name of my consultancy, as you know, is called Joyful Planet, which is, uh, you know, you can see the direct line trajectory from choosing joy and then 13 years later, starting a consultancy called Joyful Planet. 
But Joyful Planet is not just the name of a fun name for my consultancy. It's also my vision for the planet of 8 billion people actively living their purpose and leveraging their talent, their expertise, and their passion in service of other people and our planet. And together, that's how we can create a more joyful planet, right? It takes mm -hmm. many or more or all of us to do that, right? If everybody is not experiencing joy, of course, we're going to have an unjoyful planet. So my goal is to make sure that together we can focus on creating a more joyful planet. And doing that starts with the individual. It's not just about creating joy for other people if you don't create it for yourself. Because, you know, it's got to come from within. And it's and you're sharing, whatever you're sharing is just an, an expression of who you are right? So you, I always say mm -hmm. that people should take care of who they are because who they are inside is going to be uh, apparent to others and is going to impact others. And you want that impact to be a positive impact rather than a negative impact, right? right? So I say that taking care of yourself, your needs, and what brings you joy is really a public service because you don't want to inflict all of that negativity <laughs> onto other people. Everybody's struggling with their own thing. They don't need your negativity on top of it, right? I used to tell my team at some points or others, I'd be like, I have to go for a run and it's in service of, of all of Exactly, you. Like, right? No one wants me to not go exactly, for a run. Exactly, right? Because you want to be at your best when you're supporting other people. So, you know, and a lot yeah. of women, you know, we're so used to taking care of everyone else. And then mm -hmm. we don't, you know, take care of ourselves. And I say, we have to start here because one, uh, that is how you build the strength to help others and many others, depending on how much strength you have. Two, if you're a mother, don't you want to set an example that your children will follow? If they see you not, you know, at your optimal best, they're going to think, well, it's okay to operate in that mode. It's not. Mm -hmm. So set the example. You have to lead by you know, example. To put true. the oxygen mask on yourself first before helping others. And I know mothers in the audience are like, yeah, right. I'm never going to do that. If you have three or four kids, you might not even get to the third kid if you don't put it on yourself first, right? We have to be right. in a stable, strong good condition to be able to help others, including, you know, our nearest and dearest. You chose this as your purpose, and it took you 13 years until you started your consultancy. In between that and even before even choosing your, your purpose, you co-founded three PR marketing agencies that were incredibly well-recognized and award-winning, and you've done so many things. Can you talk a little bit about that progression of going from this very like intense world because i i do believe like pr and marketing and especially at the agency side is such an intense environment to then choosing and then it's a long time before you said you know what i'm actually going to turn this into my day-to-day -day. well a couple of things as soon as i shared my purpose with my coach in February 2002, she immediately asked me the question, 
So what brings you joy? And and I was kind of taken aback. I said, well, nothing at the moment. That's why I'm here seeing you. And she said, well, okay, think back to something that has brought you joy in the past. So without even thinking, I said, well, I, I love to dance. She said, oh, that's great. So do you dance? I said, no. She said, have you ever taken dance lessons? I said, no. And then I told her about my dream of becoming Ginger Rogers and doing, you know, ballroom dance dressed in a long flowy evening gown in the arms of Fred Astaire. You know, that kind of, that's why I live in New York because <laughs> that's where she always seemed to be dancing with Fred in some swank Manhattan supper club. So she says, okay, so your homework assignment is to book yourself a dance lesson before our next coaching session in two weeks. And of course, you know, life is like triage, you know, so a half an hour before my next coaching session, two weeks later, I'm finally on the phone booking myself a dance lesson at the Pierre Dulane Dance Studio. And so within days, I started taking my first ballroom dance lesson, and it was to learn the foxtrot. And even though it was the most awkward thing, it was the most exhilarating thing. So actually, I act started living my purpose pretty immediately based on what I said my purpose was. My first choice of joy was taking up ballroom dancing, which is something I wanted to do since I was eight years old. But finally, at age 50, I took my first ballroom dance lesson because before then I was too busy, you know, with my career and taking care of my husband who had been battling a brain tumor for 16 years. So it was taking care of everybody else except for me. And so, Yes, even though it was 13 years or whatever from when I cho chose that life purpose to choose joy, I have been living my joy pretty much every day since then. And it was only when I left the PR field that I thought about, how, huh, what should I do next? Because as you said, I co-founded three PR and marketing agencies. And I love my PR career. I mean, it was just exciting, but grueling, as you as you say. There's always a deadline. There are always clients to contend with. A lot of things outside of your control, but clients still want the results that they're hoping for, right? And we want to deliver it. So we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. So I had the opportunity to leave uh, in August 24th. 15, which was two years after my previous agency was acquired, and I could leave at that point, yeah. or I could stay. But I decided to leave uh, to do something else. Now, because I had a non-compete, I couldn't start another PR agency, nor did I want to. I did that. After I agree to do that again. <laughs> so, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I just thought about my life and career and I realized in thinking back over my life and career that the two most significant things I ever did to increase greater success, fulfillment, and joy was one, discovering and articulating a business purpose for my first PR agency, PTN Company. And that business purpose was to create great work, a great workplace, and great communities that work i.e. healthy, sustainable communities. So it was a great work, great workplace, and great communities that work. And that, and that is what drove us in building PTN Company from a startup 
to eight years later being recognized as the number one most creative PR agency in the country and then the number two best place to work among all PR agencies. Mm. Now, at the time, I didn't really think, well, I just thought, well, of course, we're a smart, hardworking group of employee owners. We were a group of 13 employee owners. So, of course, everybody has a, a stake in the success of the enterprise. So I thought that's what it was. But this is the business purpose that we shared with everyone. This is a business purpose that we communicated, you know, on our website and ads. And whenever we talked, we, we shared our, our business purpose. Now, many years later, in February 2002, because when we discovered our business purpose, it was 1990 when we started the agency. So it wasn't until 2002 that I went to see the executive coach and she helped me discover my life purpose. And because I was driven and focused on that purpose, so many more things happened, including uh, I co-founded two more uh, award-winning PR and marketing agencies. I took up ballroom dancing and even got into competitive ballroom dancing um, really? Yeah, championships. And I actually wrote a book on that experience to try to share the lessons I learned from ballroom dancing. And that book is entitled Becoming Ginger Rogers, How Ballroom Dancing Made Me a Happier Woman, a Better Partner, and a Smarter CEO. And then I started Joyful Planet because I realized, oh, the power of a business purpose and the power of a life purpose uh, is so huge, yet a lot of people and a lot of businesses are not even, you know, doing those two things. So I started Joyful Planet, my consultancy, in January 2016, specifically to focus on uh, helping individuals uh, discover and actively live their life purpose and businesses to discover and articulate their business purpose and to communicate how they create value for all of their stakeholders, including mm -hmm. their employees and how they serve the greater good. So those are the two areas that I'm focused on. Yeah. And they both merge your kind of background with, like you were saying, words and finding that yes, essence exactly. and then for the for the individual and for the and for yes, companies yes. as well. Well, it's based on my own personal experience of right. the power of a company being driven by a business purpose and myself being driven by, by my own individual life purpose. And McKinsey uh, and company during the pandemic actually did a lot of research on the intersection of life purpose and organizational purpose. And their research reveals that people who say they're actively living their life purpose at work report higher levels of engagement and health and well-being. And, you know, their performance is just, you know, four to five times higher than employees who are not actively living their life purpose. Because if you're an employer, you should want to tap the energy and the passion uh, of someone's life purpose. And the, what I say to organizations is, let me work with your employees or your team or your members and help them 
uh, discover and articulate their individual life purpose. And then you, the organization, the company, invite those people, those employees or members or whatever, to align with the purpose of the organization to create greater engagement to help drive the organization forward. I think that is the, the way to do it rather than just assuming if you're a company that all your employees are just going to get behind the business purpose of your company. You know, some will, some won't. And yeah, and the bad thing is that if employees are always searching for or thinking that they're not living their life purpose, and it's only because Mm -hmm. they don't know their life purpose. So if you help them to understand what their life purpose is and acknowledge it and invite them to align with the business purpose of the organization, you know, that is the strongest way to create engagement to help drive the business forward. And the only executive in corporate America who's even talking about this is Satya Nadella, the CEO, Microsoft, Mm. because he actually says he wants every Microsoft employee to be able to live their purpose through the vehicle of Microsoft so much that they actually will say, I don't work for Microsoft. Microsoft works for me. And if you think about that, that's a brilliant way to make sure that you attract and retain talent, right? Absolutely. Because if some other company is trying to hire away your people, you know, why would they leave? So interesting to me to talk about this in this way and, and use like Microsoft as an example, because for the last 11 years, as you know, I've been working in a very mission-driven, purpose-driven organization. So for me, it was like not even something I thought of. I knew everyone that was there was there because they cared about the mission and they were really passionate about equity and inclusion and they wanted to drive that forward. Right. But to think about it, like you were just pointing it out as like organizations should learn what the their people's purpose is and invite them to kind of align that purpose with the organization itself and support and exchange the employees on that journey. I wish there were more places doing that. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. I mean, because where else are you going to get greater productivity and performance? It's going to be through your employees, right? Um, and you're going to have to go deeper and you know, unleash it from your employees. And how do you do that? And I believe it's by helping them discover, because they don't know their purpose either. Most people don't have clarity about their life and leadership purpose. They have a kind of a vague, maybe, idea, but they also have a vague sense of they're not living their purpose. And it's only because they don't know what their purpose is. Once you know your purpose, you can figure out how to live it within the vehicle of your company. Like I did this for the staff of the Girl Scouts of Greater New York, you know, 50 employees there. And I've been on the board, as you know, for a long time. Yeah. And one of the people, one of the young women that I helped, you know, we um, articulated her life purpose. And it was really focused on in the environment and healing the earth. I said, you know that the environment is one of the areas of focus for our council. Um, I bet if you were to ask Meredith, our CEO, could you work in this area because that is that is your passion and your purpose? She would say yes, because we want people mm. to work in their area of 
passion and purpose. And she hadn't even thought that, well, one, she didn't realize the environment was a thing. And she didn't realize that, oh, maybe I should approach Meredith because we are doing work, good work in that area, you know? So once you have clarity about your purpose, then you can start figuring out how to actively live it within and outside your job. That's a good point. Honestly, if someone asked me right now what brings you joy or what is your bliss, I would hesitate. I know a few things, but I would probably hesitate. But what I'm struggling with the most is like, I know what I love to do, but then how do I live that in a way that work is like our biggest, where we spend most of our time. So how do you actually work that into your work? Well, first, let's clarify what your purpose is. And then let's brainstorm how you could do that. Because I, on Instagram recently, this woman who was in one of the um, leadership development cohort that I worked with, it was a group of multicultural uh, women, emerging young women leaders. And she is a, uh, she's a, a woman with a disability who loves to dance and she loves salsa and Latin dance. Part of that is in her life purpose. So what she decided to do was to offer a free virtual class to other, you know, disabled people who love dance and love salsa. And so she sent me the, uh, the link to this, uh, this promotional piece that she did. And I was like, Oh my God, I love it. And, uh, and I said, share, tell me what your life purpose was again. And she shared it with me. I said, Oh my God, you make me so happy that you found a way to actively live your life purpose through your job. Uh, you know, because she's, I think she's a teacher. I can't remember what she, mm-hmm. she was, but you know, dance was her passion. And so, yes, there is always a way to bring uh, things together in a, in a way that works for you. I'm not advocating that everybody should quit their job and right. <laughs> go do something else that is more what they want to do. First, you need to figure out what it is that is most important to you and then see how you can live that. You know, it, it will inform all the decisions you make going forward, I think. I want to go back just in the spirit of talking about quitting and about transition. Yes. And I've talked to people who have founded their companies and then leave them for one reason or another. I don't think I've had anyone on the podcast that left it because they exited or sold the company. But how was that decision for you? Because you co-founded three different agencies. So like I, I, I would imagine going from one to the other was a, an interesting process. But then deciding to altogether go and just leave that world. Yeah. It's probably very different. And it was uh, easy and difficult at the same time. It was like, you know, when you're done, right? You, 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 mm-hmm. you just don't have the appetite or the energy to continue on. So at the first opportunity that when I could leave August 2015, because we sold the company in uh, September 2013, so two years, right? I decided, you know what? I think I'm going to you know, take that opportunity and do something different, even though I didn't know what that was. I just knew that I couldn't, I wasn't bringing my full, my whole self and all my energy and enthusiasm and passion to what I was doing. So I, you know, so I felt I should leave for myself and everybody else. 
Uh, and then it's a matter of one of the things that I pride myself on is being able to come up with a creative solution to pretty much any of my problems. So I have great confidence in my ability to do that. And so I've, I felt that I'm, I'll be able to come up with something that makes mm -hmm. sense. And I didn't even know if it meant going to work for somebody else or starting my own thing. Mm -hmm. And it was my astrologer who said, so I bet you're thinking you're going to start your new thing September 1, 2015. I said, well, yeah, that's, I already filed the LLP <laughs> for Joyful Planet. He said, no, I don't think you should do that. I think you should take the last four months off because it's not a good time in your chart. And you'll be, it'll be like swimming upstream. Better for you to start in January 2016, which is a much better time. And you'll be working, the currents will be working with you. So I said, oh, that's a good idea. So then I decided to go visit people that I hadn't, that I promised to go visit and I never had time to do that. So it was fabulous. I just traveled a bit over four months and then January I was re ready to go and starting my thing. But again, I was, everything was still, I don't even know when exactly I decided, I think I'm going to focus on life purpose and organizational purpose. First, I decided, you know what, I want to start a consultancy and then I'm going to figure it out. You know, and it was only in rethinking what could I do given the the expertise and the talents uh, and the degree to which I want to work. Because here's the thing. Mm. I didn't want to get into another uh, 70, 80 hour week, work week, which is what, you know, it is when you're in PR and marketing. I, I in fact, wanted to only work about a third to, to some maybe 40% of my time. And then the other third would be supporting my nonprofits and every other organization mm -hmm. I'm involved with that, you know, I want to do things for. And then the last third is just making sure I have time to spend with family and friends because, you know, we could be dead tomorrow, right? And I want to mm -hmm. make sure that every day up till the day I die, I'm doing things that bring me joy and I'm doing them with people that bring me joy. Right. And so I, so that it was as important as the work I'm doing through joyful planet. I had never thought about segmenting my life, but I try to, you know, do that. Um, so I know I can kind of keep in balance and because there's no hard and fast things, you know, a lot of times I'll get business from, you know, the two other areas, but from people I like and who I maybe worked with before. And so it's, I know it's going to be a joy if I'm actually doing uh, a workshop for, for them or their organization or, or some leadership development cohort they're involved with. So I, mm -hmm. I like things to be pretty integrated. Every area of my life I am me, I'm doing what I want to do, and I look forward to doing what I'm going to be engaged in. Yeah, you're you're making me think of, of Ikigai, the, yes. like, you know, yes, the, exactly. things that you're good at, things that you love, things that, it, and it's just so integrated into everything that you're doing. Yeah, I want it to seem seamless and natural, because when it's the opposite, then it's kind of stressful, right? To go from this world to that world. 
And yes. then people ask me all the time, well, how are you going to scale up? Because you're doing all the work yourself. I said, that's the point is I like doing this work. I'm good at it. I want to do it myself to the degree to which it should be done. And I'm not looking to scale it up and oversee other people doing this work. It, that's a stressful part. You're working for a different thing at this point, I would say, in your life, right? Like yeah. before you might have been creating an agency with the, maybe with the intention or with the possibility of a sale of like growing it so that it's something different. But now you're doing it because it fills your cup yeah. and because you're giving back. Yeah, exactly. Because I always need to choose joy. I always have to live that purpose, even the assignments that I take. And, you know, the past seven years I've been, um, that I've had Joyful Planet, and it's, I've loved every assignment. Uh, and I've worked for for-profits and not-for-profits. And I worked for everyone from Walmart to Dress for Success Worldwide to the Omega Institute, right? So I, I tried to really um, have experience in a lot of di different areas. And where I've landed now and the focus of my work is really working for leadership development programs uh, involving diverse young people as they emerge into their leadership. And I think that uh, the starting point for me with anyone, especially for emerging young leaders, is to have clarity about their life and leadership purpose because unless you know what it is you want to do in this world you're inefficiently trying to 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 find that out by doing things and going here going there doing what your friend wants you to do or what someone asks you to do and i think it could be more efficiently done if it comes from you what is most important for you to accomplish in your one very brief and precious life and let's make sure that it starts with you, you know, satisfying your the needs of your soul, right? And then extending and expanding mm. that outward to help others. It's such a different mindset than what we are used or have been trained, I think, in society. Like, if someone had said that to me when I was, I'm 40 now. If someone had said that to me when I was growing up, when I was 20, I'd be like, mm. and it would have been really hard for me to. Yes, to like, absolutely. Even I even talk about a lot about when I started working for Elevate. I was a banker before. Like it was just not in my wheelhouse. I did it because I liked the people. Right. And it seemed like a good opportunity to try something else. And I had something in me that was like, yeah, you, you, you want to make a difference in this world somehow. Yes. But it took forever. It took forever for me to like get that switch out of my mind that success means feeling whole or that it means doing something else. It, like that for me, it's a different definition than it is for my family or for yes. my friend or for someone else. Yeah. And that's the, that's the, the part. That's the reason why people need to discover their life and leadership purpose because we do get a lot of pressure often from people who love us and want the best for us and they think they know what it is so they're they want you to do this because they know yeah. then that you will be you know in a good solid place where you you know you'll be able to take care of yourself rather than listening to what everybody says you need to figure out 
figure that out for yourself and then figure out something that will provide you the stability and security that you need at that point in your life. But it has to start from you. Otherwise, we start listening to everybody else. And and then, not surprising, we end up not feeling really fulfilled. Since I've met you, you've been focused on Joyful Planet. And I don't really know that much about your PR no. world, except that I know you were such a badass and like got so many <laughs> so much recognition because of the work you've done yeah. but my question was like did you ever feel unfulfilled with your work yeah, before because yeah. you said like people do feel that yes way some, and sometimes. that's where I got to and that's why I knew I had to leave because even when I was stressed out and doing working crazy hours which led me to go to the executive coach for help I don't know that I was unfulfilled or any, I was just so busy, but in a way where I was getting drained like a battery, right? And nothing was replenishing mm -hmm. that energy. That's why I went to see the coach. But um, yeah, the first agency I co-founded, I didn't want to start an agency, but starting leading a management buyback involving my colleagues was the creative solution I came up with when our biggest client came to us and said, we love you guys, but we're going to have to terminate our relationship with you because our senior management thinks there's going to be a recession and they've asked us to make prophylactic cuts across the board, you know? And so I knew that my boss at Shia Day was going to tell me to terminate the team that was working on that account. I had like three and a half people working pretty much full time on that one account. And so I didn't tell them because we had a three-month term, you know, termination clause in the contract. So I was trying to think of a way to avoid having to terminate three of my dear colleagues. And the only oh, thing I, I know could that come feeling. up with, well, maybe I should lead a management buyback and spin off our subsidiary and set it up as an independent PR agency that was wholly owned by the the 13 of us who would be involved in that buyback. And so that's what I did, but not because I wanted to start a PR agency. It was only because I didn't want to have to hire three colleagues. It's so fascinating because I've been in that position. It didn't work out for me, but I've been in that position. And A, I love that that was the idea that you came up with, but that you can act, could actually make it happen. Yeah, that was scary. And sometimes what you don't know is a good thing because if you overthink it, you know, because I approached Jay Shiat once I decided and once I convinced everybody that this is what we should do it because not everybody wanted to spin off. They right. wanted to, they like staying at Shiat Day, but mm -hmm. I don't think they realized that that was, we're going to have to fire three of us if if we do this anyway. So finally, everybody was on board. I went to Jay Shiat and I asked him if he would let us buy ourselves back. And uh, he very gracious and he said, I guess if everybody's unhappy, we'll have to work out some kind of uh, way to do this. And then he hung up the phone. And so... You know, I thought back then that we would just go to a bank and borrow the money because they asked us for a million dollars. And so I thought we could get a loan from a bank. After the third meeting with three 
different <laughs> banks, I realized we're never going to get this money because nobody even knows what PR is. And But I had already told Jay we wanted to do a buyback, so we were kind of locked into this. And, and none of us had money or nobody had money that they were willing to put into this venture. And thankfully, we had a lawyer, a friend of a friend, who said, you must have some negotiating uh, chip I could work with, anything. I said, well, we have these worthless phantom shares in Shiat Day. If we stayed, three of us had them. If we stayed for three more years, it could be worth a lot of money. Between the three of us, I think it would have been worth like 800000 or something like that, right? And so he said, okay, I can work with that. So he negotiated a deal with uh, Shiat Day where they we turned in those phantom shares and we gave them a very small down payment and then we gave them 3% royalties over all of our income over the next three years. And that was a deal. I mean, it, I was shocked that he was able to do it because no bank was going to lend us the money. Wow. So, but we wouldn't even have gotten to that point if we had, if I had done what you, I probably should have done, which is check to see if we could get a loan for the bank before calling Jay Shiat to ask him if we could buy ourselves back. I love it. Oh, it's so cool that you actually did that and that you kept your people and it just, you know, talking about purpose and all comes. I feel like it all comes full circle. You were sharing with others what the type of place you wanted to work at, the type of company you wanted to build, and you and you did it. Yeah, and we created the kind of company that we wanted to work at, including we were the a, a PR agency who had the first maternity benefits policy in the industry, and this was in 19, 1990 or 91, I can't remember. Now... We all took a pay cut, right, to start PT and Company. And, but one of the 13 co-founders was pregnant, and she was the sole breadwinner for her family. So I knew we had to do something. It's like, and so I said to my fellow shareholders, we need to have a maternity benefits policy. Now, everybody was up in arms because, what? We just took a big pay cut. How can we afford a maternity benefits policy? I said, I don't know, but um, you guys are going to have to figure that out. So I put two people who thought we should do something, even though we couldn't afford it, two people who were adamantly against doing it. And I said, you guys need to come up with a way that we can afford this. And the answer is not, we can't have a policy. So, And they came back with something that I thought was inspired pretty much they said okay we came up with we're going to give a one month paid maternity leave for every year you've worked at the at the agency so that person had worked three years at the agency so she's already going to get a three months paid maternity and you could tack onto the end of it all of your sick and personal and and vacation days in any way you want it right and so that became our maternity benefits policy so it's like you know there there there's always a way right if there's a group of people committed to figuring out how can we do this given the limitations that we have so i'm very proud of and we had a lot of other great um you know uh 
ways that we worked with employees to make sure that, because I hated the, I didn't want anybody working for us to have that sinking feeling going from Sunday to Monday, you know, mm -hmm. back then when we all went mm -hmm. to the office for work, right? So we had casual dress every day. So that got rid of the, oh, I have to get all dressed up. We had telecommuting. We had every other Friday off during the summer, just margaritas on the Fiesta deck. Wednesday at five o'clock, <laughs> somebody would work there. Yeah, over the PA, margaritas are now being served on the Fiesta deck. <laughs> so we tried to have fun, you know. It's it's incredible that you went and did that revolutionary for the times. Like, yeah, we did it because it just made sense to me back then. This was in the in nineteen ninety ninety one. 92 and we started launching all these things working in pr was a sweatshop and everybody knew it and it was a revolving door and it was like well there's a solution to have to you know transforming the sweatshop like environment right right so let's commit to creating that great workplace so that was part of our business purpose right but you never thought you were going to actually go and create it. That's like where my mind is. Like you never, you didn't think you were going to go and build an advertising agency until oh, you were. Well, yeah. You weren't thinking of going and building your own company until well, like that's the situation. That's why I say that you have to go with your passion. If I didn't care about firing three people, I would never have gone down this path. And it was a scary path, but... It was a thing. I couldn't live with myself if I just said, okay, well, you know, I'm going to have to fire three people. I was going to have to fire three people. I know. You a, know, I know that. And it's like, well. oh my God, this is the worst thing you can, you have to do in, in business sometimes. So, and sometimes you have to do this, right? So, yeah. <laughs> and I made a lot of not so smart mistakes because sometimes you want to do what is intuitively the right thing to do. And sometimes it's not the right thing to do, especially mm -hmm. if you have more and more employees. I used to think that, well, if you work with every employee and help accommodate their individual needs, that would be the best approach. No. That is not the best okay. approach because already it creates inequities, right? Even if you help this person, you know, with their most pressing need and you help this person with a different most pressing need, this person will say, how come I don't have what you gave that person? Even though that wasn't their most pressing need. And I realized, huh, yeah, I'm not, I, so there were some things that I was not good at. <laughs> so. It gets very complicated yes. when you're working with more and more and more people. Yeah, like the complexity can't. just gets insanely different. Yeah. You can't always just intuitively do what you want to do and what you would do if it was a friend, right? Right. So, right. although I want to work with friends. Yeah. And that's why I can't work in corporate America because I always yeah. want to do what feels right to me and what is intuitively what I think I should do right yeah so I have it makes it very hard yeah so I have to do my own thing <laughs> like did you leave and create and to create a different your next venture or no, this is what happened so we did PT and company for 15 years through all kinds of 
dot-com boom, bust, mm-hmm. you know, um, 9-11, you know, everything. It was, it was, it was, it was, some years were amazing, right? And some years were, oh my God, and, you know, bust. But because of the agency that we were, we weren't going to fire people just because of vagaries in the economy, which, you know, you, you, kind of have to you know do that in order to protect the group what you know the the needs of the group have to come first not the individual needs but I I found those kinds of things really hard to do so my inclination was to hold on to everyone and just try to you know for the um, co-founders to try to take you know pay cuts until things rebounded but we ultimately ended up selling to a like-minded agency who mm-hmm. had a who was like us. They started by leading themselves in a management buyback from an advertising agency. They also wanted to create, you know, an agency that was, you know, people first kind of thing. So we had a lot of similarities. They also had more resources. Also had a vision for how we could be a big mid-sized national PR agency. We were a boutique agency Mm. in New York. They wanted to be a national player. They were in Richmond. We were in New York. So it's harder for a regional player to become a national agency. So it made sense for us to combine forces, which we did and grew that for eight years and then sold it to Padilla Spear Beardsley in Minneapolis to create Padilla. And in creating Padilla, we created the largest employee-owned PR agency in the country with 240 employee owners. That's one of the reasons we sold to Padilla because they were an ESOP. So we could sell and roll up under their ESOP because we wanted to maintain the employee ownership model. And so we did that. And we were, in doing this, we became one of the top 10 largest independent PR agencies in the country at the same time. So I felt that, you know, after my two years earn out, I could leave and do something else because it is very wearing and grueling to be part of a mm-hmm. a sale and then a merger. Yes. You know, that merger takes at least two years for two entities coming together to be somewhat seamless, right? Yeah. And somewhat Some, is the operative exactly. word there. And I yeah. just didn't have it in me to to go through another merger and two years of people feeling, you know, when people don't really know their place in the new entity, everybody's acting out and acting up. And so it makes it harder to stay focused on, you know, the needs of the client because you're always dealing with, you know, needs of employees who are uncertain and and fearful. Yeah, that's tough. Patrice, thank you so much. I could talk to you for hours. And Marisela, I'm so happy that we are still in touch and connected. Excited to see uh, what, what happens next. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens next. Yeah. Um, trying to find find my bliss, find my joy, find my purpose. Um, I think I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. What I've found lately and more and more that I feel I 
I love making people feel like they're not alone. And yes, that aspect has continued to be, I think, what I did at Elevate and what I'm still doing now. Yes, yes. I have a feeling it's going to be in this vein of helping others, helping women, helping girls. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. Thank you, and thank you for helping people be more happy. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening to Shit, I Just Quit My Job. I hope you found this conversation useful and inspiring and maybe got a laugh or some ideas out of it. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. It means the world to me. Please share with your friends. 